Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they buried. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. And he saith unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. Father, thank you this morning. What a tremendous blessing it's been to be in this place today, to see new life and to recognize and honor those who've been faithful for many years. And I pray now that you'll, Lord, speak through me and that God people would hear through the power of the Holy Spirit. They'd not see me, but they'd see you high and lifted up, drawing me into you as you promised you would. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I do also say Happy Father's Day and Mother's Day. It's kind of a combination because of COVID-19. Thank you, Brother Aaron, for that uh, beautiful, beautiful. Mm, man, that is something that your daddy will treasure for the rest of his life, I guarantee you. I praise the Lord for my godly parents. Both of them have gone on to be with the Lord. They taught me an exhortation. They sat down and taught me verse by verse. They taught me by example, and then they taught me by beating the living daylights out of me. I probably needed a whole lot more than what I got. I love baseball, and it's breaking my heart that, that it's coming to the place where I'll probably never go to another game just out of protest, a uh, bunch of wimps. Uh, but I love baseball. One of my favorite stories is a knuckleball pitcher. He was the first knuckleball pitcher to go into the Hall of Fame. And uh, his name was Hoyt Wilhelm. And uh, April 23rd, 1952, he was preaching for the New York Giants. It was his second game, but his first time at bat. Now, if you know anything about baseball, we don't expect pitchers to hit. We just expect them to pitch good. But his first time at bat, the very first pitch he got from a major league pitcher he creamed that thing, and it went over the right field fence for a home run. What a debut. I mean, when you debut in the major leagues and you hit a home run and you're a pitcher, I mean, it don't get no better than that. Now, he batted another 432 times and never got another home run in his life. But he debuted good. I wonder this morning if, if we could come to you and say, look, we want you to be the PR firm that represents Jesus. He's been 30 years learning and, and waiting on the Father and being patient, doing just what the Father told him to do. But now it's time to launch his ministry. And we want you to be the PR firm. You're going to be in charge of launching, of debuting Jesus. I think every one of us would say, well, it's got to be something big. It's got to be something spectacular. I mean, it's got to be a showstopper. I mean, you know, let's, let's let him raise somebody from the dead. Let, let's let him feed thousands of people with a happy meal and keep the toy inside. Let's, uh, uh, let's let him walk on water. Let's let him calm a storm. Let's let him cast out demons. But, but it's got to be a miracle. It's got to be a showstopper. But none of this takes place. The mother of this man, she ends up saying this. I can't tell you what he's going to say. <laughs> 
I can't tell you where he's going to go. I can't tell you what advice he's going to give you. But I can tell you this as his mother. He knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's saying, and he'll never lead you astray. I think if the mother of Jesus were sitting in this auditorium this morning, I believe with all of my heart, she would not say, listen to the Republicans. Hmm. Did you know I, I just, Did you know that Republicans have nominated the last 14 out of 18 Supreme Court justices? And we still can't win a Supreme Court justice? Hmm? I want to tell you, folks, it's not Republicans. It's not Democrats. She'd say, don't listen. Uh, uh, it's not the politicians you need to be worried about. It's not the psychiatrist. It's not the talk show host. It's not the politically correct. It's not all the facts and trends and all of the mess going around. I think if she was sitting in this auditorium this morning, she would say, whatever my son says do, do it. That's simple. Whatever he says do, you do it. That's what she told them. I believe that's what she'd tell us. When a wedding came about, it wasn't just a family affair. It was a community event, social. I mean, if you were invited to the wedding, it, it, it wasn't a matter of sending RSVP. It was a matter you were expected to go. And those weddings would start out at the synagogue, the church, and then they'd leave the church and go to the honeymoon site. And that was the home of the groom that had been building for them there. And, then they would uh, take the long way around so everybody could see them and wish them well and all of that good stuff. And once they got to the home, the party started, the celebration started. There'd be food and speeches and gifts and, and wine. Wine was a huge part of the wedding celebration. In fact, the wine of their day was what typical, what we consider the cake of our day. I mean, I've been to all kinds of weddings, fajitas, uh, chili, hot dogs, hamburgers, steak, casserole, but I've never been to a wedding didn't have a cake. You got to have a cake. And in their day, the wine took the place of that. And then I look here that it's important that in this wedding, Jesus was invited to the wedding. That's good. Now listen, if you're young and you're thinking about getting married, could I just tell you this? Would you realize that maybe it's not all about the decorations. Maybe it's not all about the tuxedos. Maybe it's not all about the gifts and all. Would you make sure that Jesus is invited to your wedding? Because I've been to some of them where I don't think he was. Hmm? He was invited to the wedding. Now, let me give you three things and we're through. Number one, our relationship with God supersedes everything else. Everything else. Our relationship with God supersedes everything. I've used this illustration a hundred times, but I'll use it 101. If I went home and told my wife, you're the number one woman in my life, I know my wife like a book. Some of y'all might be happy with that. She wouldn't be. Her first question was, well, who's the number two woman? <laughs> huh? I know her like a book. Now, let me tell you, somebody has told you that what you got to do is make Jesus first and then your home second, and then your church, and then you throw all that mess away. Because I want to tell you right now, Jesus is going to be Lord or he ain't going to be nothing. He wants everything. That's what's wrong. That's why our country will never come back to what it was. I don't want to just be preach, 
doom and gloom, but our country was founded on the Word of God. It was founded on prayer. It was founded on people believing in the Christian way out of the Word of God. That's what it was founded on. But I'll give you a little secret. Our God is a jealous God. And it's not so much that many have turned their back on God and said there is no God. What we've done in America, we've added every Tom, Dick, and Harry to the God list. Oh, you can pray to this one. You can pray to that one. You can No, there's only one God. He's Jehovah God. And he'll not have any others before him. That's what the Word of God says. Our relationship, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things be added unto you. Our relationship to God supersedes everything else in our life. Now, I want to tell you, it's easier to talk about that than it is to do it. We're raising kids. If you're raising kids, hey, I'm not so old I don't remember that. You've got teenagers in your home. My soul, have mercy. And, And they're trying to figure out, people ask me, do you think... It's harder kids in school today than it was when you went to school. Absolutely harder. Absolutely. Let me tell you what. Now, you better listen to me. If you teach your children anything, you better teach them this, to respect authority. You better teach them to respect authority. See, when, when we were growing up, some of us old folk, when the teacher, she was wrong. I remember just like yesterday in the sixth grade, Miss Brown giving me a whipping. And I said, I'm not doing nothing. She said, that's why I'm whipping you. You're sitting here daydreaming, not doing nothing. (laughs) She was wrong. And I tried to convince my mama she was wrong. Didn't work. Didn't work. I'm just telling you, we need to, to make sure that nothing takes the place of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we'll never be able to relate to anything or anyone properly until we're rightly related to God. You're not rightly related to God, don't expect to be rightly related to anybody else. Now, it doesn't stop. Wouldn't it be great if it stopped when we turned 18? But even after 18, we get adults, we're still trying to chase the Joneses. Their grass is greener. And then, lo and behold, we get over there and it's over a septic tank. (laughs) Ain't a thing you can do about that when you got a septic tank. The grass is going to be greener. Amen? (laughs) Ah. Jesus models this passage when he responds to Mary. His mother comes and says, Jesus, they're out of wine. And he says, woman, now he's not being disrespectful. It may seem rude to us, but in the Greek, woman was a a word for lady. He's saying, lady, what's that got to do with me? My hour hadn't yet come. Now here's what's happening. Let me just sum it up. I won't preach. I'll just sum it up. Mary comes to him as the authority as a mother. But Jesus is debuting his ministry here in John chapter 2. It ain't mama anymore. He's Lord. And they're shifting the paradigm here from her being the authority as the mother to her being subject to the Lord. And Jesus is saying, mama, God more important than you are. I wish somebody would help me. I don't care whether you like it or not, Mom. I want to tell you, God's more important than you are. Your relationship, your children's relationship to God is even more important than your relationship to them. Because if they don't get that relationship right, they're not going to have your relationship right. So Jesus is coming and he's saying, 
Now, here's the deal. She's speaking as authority as a mother, and she's saying, they're out of wine. That means, now, it's the same thing with my family. My daddy didn't have to say, would you go get this? All he did was hint that we might need it. And somebody better have sense enough to understand that meant go get it. That meant go get it. And so she's hinting to Jesus, we got to have this wine. In other words, as authority of your mama, you get some wine. But then she comes back the second time. And she realizes that she's under the authority of the Lord. And she said, whatever he says do, you do it. Now that's important because now we've got some religions that are built on Mary rather than Jesus. And I want to tell you something, but listen to me. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Mm, i got to hurry. Let me give you the second thing. Our search to find meaning and purpose apart from Christ will always be empty. It'll always be empty. You can, verse 6 says there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each there. Six water pots, 180 gallons, the custom of purification. You know what these were? It was pots they washed their feet in. Hmm. I never will forget, I was in a revival outside of Jasper, Texas, in the woods, Brother Mark Humble and I. <laughs> Country church, oh, have mercy. And it was dinner on the ground. And I was looking that table over. So help me, I'm telling you the truth, my hand up. This little kid said, Mama, I mean, nice-looking banana pudding. Ain't that your foot tub there? Son, I want to tell you what, I backed off of that banana pudding. <laughs> I ain't lying. <laughs> as much as I like banana pudding, I'm not going to eat that banana pudding. I don't care how much she washed that thing out. Well, th these, these pots were there for the Jewish uh, purification. They're washing their hands, they're washing their feet and all that, and all of that's empty. And Jesus says, take those pots and fill them up. The Bible says they filled them to the brim, filled them up to the top. Wow. Now, the number six is significant here, too, because six is not the number of completion. Six is the number of incompletion. Hmm. You say, what does that mean? Well, I think what it means, preacher twisted. Let me tell you what I think it means. I think he's telling us that the law and all of that thing of Moses ain't good enough anymore. It's going to take the blood of Jesus to get you to saved. All of the old stuff is out. The law, the commandments of God, none of those things could have ever saved you. It wasn't going to save. All it did was put a mirror there so you could look and say, boy, I need to be saved. But the law could never save anybody. And that's what he's saying here. Now, you put anything in there you want to. Anything you've chased after. You put the law if you want to. You put relationships. You put drugs. You put alcohol. You put money. You put achievement. You put sex. You put popularity. You put fame. Every one of those will leave you empty. And the devil is always there to say, come on in. This is good. But he's never there at the end when it all turns sour. I think what he's saying here is the old way of life. The things that we have tried and relied on apart from Jesus. We'll tell you, can't wash away the dirt of your sin and guilt. 
It can't give you forgiveness. It can't even erase the fear of the gnaw of death that you have. It can't tear down the dividing wall that exists between you and God because of your sin. Every one of us are sinners. All of us. I love the real cartoons. Mm. You remember those? Bug Bunny, Elmer, uh, uh, Roadrunner, and, and, and Wiley Coyote. I always pull for the old boy, but he never could catch that bird. He never could. I mean, he planned. He set some traps that should have worked. But every one of them backfired. Every one of them. And the same thing happens to us when we try to plan and set up and think we're going to work our way to heaven. Are we going to give our way to heaven? Are we going to be good enough to get into heaven? I want to tell you, it's going to backfire. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Let me give you this last truth, and I'm through. Our salvation and our satisfaction are found in the transforming power of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Jesus takes what's empty, and he fills it up. He took those empty pots Filled it up with the best wine there was. I wish I had time. Boy, mm. you see, it's only Christ, his forgiveness, that can forgive us. Cleansing, victory over death, peace with God, a life filled with meaning and purpose. Jonathan Edwards said this, and I quote, The enjoyment of God is the only happiness with which our souls can find satisfaction. Fathers and mothers, husbands and wives or children or the company of earthly friends are but shadows. But the enjoyment of God is the substance. Whew. A lot of folk living in the shadows today. It excites more folks who's coming over for dinner or what we're going to do next week or how we, instead of just getting along with God and saying, God, whew, I, I want you this morning. I want you tonight. I want you today. I want to be closer to you than I've ever been before in a life of abundance. He filled those six stone pots with 180 gallons of wine, enough to carry him through the wedding and even farther along. You see, Jesus doesn't just offer us life. He offers us abundant life. He didn't come preaching the law. He came preaching grace. He didn't come to tell us of Moses because one greater than Moses was already there. It was him. He didn't come to tell us of Mount Sinai. He came to tell us of Mount Calvary. He didn't come to tell you something you can work for. He came to tell you something you can't earn. He didn't come to give you ideas of what you can do. He came to tell you something's already been done, already paid for. When you get to meet Jesus face to face, you enjoy joy, excitement, celebration, just walking with Jesus. Out with law, in with grace. Out with Moses, in with Jesus. Out with the Ten Commandments, in with the Gospel. Now let me hasten to tell you this. That don't mean we're not to listen to the Ten Commandments and be obedient to them. 
I'm just saying grace always supersedes the Ten Commandments. Mm. When I hear somebody say, well, tithing, I don't tithe because that's in the Old Testament. Well, all right, I'll buy that. But you're under grace now. Grace always does more than the law does. So instead of giving 10%, why don't you bump all on up to about 20? Huh? Oh, you want grace? Let's have grace. He, he said, out with, with doing things and in with done. Out with the punishment and in with mercy. Hallelujah, what a Savior we've got. I love Henry, uh, Harry Ironside. Tremendous commentaries. I use them all the time. And he said the guy came up to him and, and said, uh, I can't go on another day unless I know that I'm saved. And if I can't know I'm saved, I've got to know that I'll never be saved. I don't want to worry about it anymore. I want to know today, am I saved or can I not be saved? I can't go on without knowing that. Dr. Ironside looked at him and he said, well, uh, suppose you had a vision of an angel who came and told you your sins were forgiven. Would that be enough for you? And the man thought and he said, yeah. You know that would. If an angel came and said, look, your sins are forgiven, that'd be enough. That'd be enough. And then Dr. Ironside said, but suppose on your deathbed, Satan came and said, I was that angel transformed to deceive you. Your sins hadn't been forgiven. The guy was speechless. You see, that's what the devil does. You looking for signs and you looking for angels? Ironside told this guy this same thing. God's given us something more dependable than angels and signs. It's his own son who died on Calvary, was buried, rose again, and coming back. That's enough to rest on. 1 John 5.13 says it like this, that you may know that you have eternal life. Not hoping not maybe, I believe the signs that I see today across America in 14 major big cities, thank goodness Texas is not one of them, but it, uh, it doesn't have a city in it, but 14, the Lucifer denomination, there's a denomination of Lucifer folk, and they're raising money today to usher in the new world government, one world government. And I told Becky, I said, we sitting there like, I said, we really ought to send them a check. The sooner we can get the one world government in here, the sooner we can get out of here. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of getting weary. I'm kind of ready to fly out of this place. I, 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 I'm pre-millennial. I'm, I'm, I believe in a rapture. I think you know, we're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. Dead in Christ going to rise first, and those of rain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. And we're going to be with him forevermore. Now, you can say, well, I'm mid. I believe we're going through half the tribulation. Well, you can go through it if you want to. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not planning on it. And then, God forbid, somebody post. There are folk out there like that. There are preachers in Southern Baptist churches preaching this morning that believe we're going through all seven years of the tribulation. I've told some of them, on our way up, I think God's still going to save them and take them on up. But I'm going to go, na-na-na-na-boo-boo as we go up. 
Man, God didn't call us to go through wrath and tribulation. He saved us out of that. All I'm telling you is this. If you ever thought about getting saved, you better do it today. Because I'm not talking about America. I'm talking about the signs of the times. I'm just telling you, any moment, Jesus could come. And the moment he comes, forget about telling your uncle about Jesus. It's too late. Forget about your son or your daughter. Forget about your mom or your dad. Forget you say, preacher, that's scary. No, I'm just trying to tell you the truth. I believe that. I believe that. And the older I get, the more harder I'm going to preach on that. You better get ready now. The option's in your court. We're not robots. He's given us a free will. You have an opportunity. I can't save anybody. Your mom and daddy can't save anybody. Nobody can. The only person who can save, you've got to be drawn by the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus will save you and that is nothing else. Don't add anything to it. Don't take anything away from it. Father, have mercy. As we stand in this place this morning, I pray, dear Lord, that your Holy Spirit would bring conviction Those that need to be saved today may be their day of salvation. There are others that may need a church home. There are others here, Lord, that what they need is they just need the joy of their salvation restored. I pray these altars would be filled with people that would be praying for lost people. Who's our one? Who are we going to bring to you? Who's dearest to us that it would break our heart if you came today? And they got left behind. God, burden us. Have your way in this place today. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me?